morning, Living Spring. Um, Pastor John is on vacation, so I get to preach today. Um, and I'm always excited when I get that opportunity. And before we start, I wanted to show you guys, if everyone, you should have gotten this listening prayer and reflection sheet. So you don't need it quite yet, but just hold on to it and put it next to you. I will need it later. I just wanted to explain what it's about. So at the very end of my sermon, um, we'll get back to this. Um, so for those of you who are new and who don't know me, my name is Michelle, and I'm an associate pastor here at Living Spring. And I was thinking this week and realizing that at the end of July, I've been here four years, which is kind of crazy. Um, sometimes it feels like I just got here, but I realized that it's been four years, so that's very exciting. Um, and I was remembering that about four years ago, so I had just graduated from Fuller Seminary with my Master's of Divinity, and so that's a crazy um, name for a degree because no one can master divinity, um, but it was a lot of work and really an amazing time, and so I had just finished that, was super excited, and I was at my final ordination interview, um, which is a fancy term for becoming a pastor, and so it's kind of intimidating. You're in this room, and there's 10 people who are interviewing you and asking you questions and seeing if you're a good fit for the denomination, and so Pastor John was actually at that interview, and at the end, he came up to me, and he's like, hey, I think you should come and work at Living Spring, um, and so I was like, Okay, or I didn't say yes then, but he's like, come and see. Come and see the church, come on by. And so I was applying to a church at Seattle in the time, or at, in Seattle at the time, but felt compelled to come and check out Living Spring. And so I came on campus, and immediately when I was on campus, I just really sensed the Holy Spirit. And Pastor John knew the names of um, several homeless friends who were on campus and they all came in kind of during my interview and were saying hi to him and I was like wow this definitely seems like a place that I could see myself and that I could belong so it wasn't John's elevator pitch about Living Spring it wasn't looking up the website I actually had to come and see for myself what Living Spring was all about and it was through coming to see coming to be here um, that God really compelled me um, to come here and so I share that story because it relates to my sermon today, um, which is titled, Come and See. So come and see. These are powerful words. They're so open and inviting. Um, and as we begin, I'm curious if you've ever used these words, come and see, or if anyone else has told you to come and see something. I know for me lately, I've invited friends to come and see pickleball. Um, I know that I can explain the rules, but you kind of can't imagine it unless you actually play it, and then you see how addictive and fun and easy to catch on it is. I've also told people to come and see what it's like to hammock underneath two trees at a park and just relax and read a book. And so I've had friends who are skeptical, but I got them to come with me, and they were lying in the hammock for five seconds, and they're like, wow, I never want to leave. I get what you're saying. Um, and then lastly, I think we have a picture of them on the next slide, um, the next one too. So marshmallows filled with chocolate, you guys. They're amazing, and I could talk about them all day, but you can't understand them unless you actually try them. And if families with kids, if you come to the bonfire, we will have them. They're from Smart and Final, and they are marshmallows filled with chocolate, and they're just amazing. So all of these things, I could describe them. I could try to convince you they're good. But all of these things, they're better when you actually experience them for yourself, 
when you actually taste that melty, oozing chocolate, when you lie in the hammock and look up at the trees, um, it's something you have to experience for yourself. So I'm talking about coming and seeing um, because this is something that will be in our scripture passage this morning. And so as I read our passage, I want you to be open and paying attention to which person in the story uses these words and why they do. So the Bible passage we'll be exploring is from chapter one of John's gospel. And it's the story of Philip and Nathaniel and how Jesus calls them to follow him and how Jesus wants them to follow him for the rest of their lives and become followers of Jesus. So I invite you to please join me in prayer um, as we prepare our hearts to receive God's word. So Jesus, we thank you that like Philip and Nathaniel, you know us intimately and you want us to follow you. You find us, Jesus, before we even know you, before we find you. So as we continue to come and see who you are and experience you for ourselves, would you inspire us to invite others to come and see you, Jesus, the God of the universe who has come in flesh to be in the neighborhood, to be with us, um, to be with humanity, God. So be with us this morning, open our ears, open our hearts to you and to your voice. And we pray all of this in your name. Amen. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. And it's also going to be up here on the screen. Um, and so as we begin, you can open your eyes, you can look up at the screen, or you can also close your eyes and imagine that you are someone in Galilee and that you're just minding your own business, and then Jesus comes and finds you, and what that might be like. So this is verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one who Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree, before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I'll let the weight of this passage and this dialogue sink in a little bit. I don't know about you guys, but I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in that conversation to see Nathaniel's attitude change from prejudice towards Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, to skepticism about why Jesus knew all this stuff about him, to awe and wonder when he finally realizes that Jesus is the Messiah. And he also, Nathaniel realizes 
through Jesus's reflection, who he really is as well. So this passage and the passage right before it, um, which I encourage you to go back this week and read all of John chapter one, um, it's incredible. So these chapters are filled with individuals who come and see Jesus and invite others to come and see him. So earlier on in chapter one, we see John the Baptist and he's hanging out with two of his disciples by the river Jordan and then Jesus walks by and he encourages his disciples, go, this is the lamb of God, go see him. And so those disciples, one of them is Andrew, they go and follow Jesus and they ask Jesus, where are you staying? And Jesus tells them, come and see. And so they join Jesus for the evening. And then in the morning, Andrew invites Jesus to see his brother Philip, or no, to see his brother Peter. And then right after that is our passage where Jesus directly finds Philip, and then Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. So as you can see, it's all these people who are going one to another, and it's person to person sharing about who Jesus is. And so it's this cycle of those who, don't, who believe, then go tell others who don't believe yet, and this has happened and spread over and over again exponentially over thousands of years to the 2.6 billion Christians that we have today. And all of this started with this invitation to come and see and people telling their friends come and see and them telling their friends come and see. And so it's incredible that those simple words have ended up with Christianity, the largest and most widespread religious movement in the world. So it seems like simple Small, small words, but they're powerful. So what can we learn about Jesus and what can we learn about our role as disciples and followers of Jesus from this powerful story? So first, let's look closer at what we can learn about Jesus. We always want to know what, who is God, what is God like? So the first thing that sticks out to me is Jesus's intentionality in finding Philip. So before Philip even knows who Jesus is, Jesus is trying to find him, and he asks Philip to follow him. So he chooses Philip even before Jesus has chosen him. So he recruits Philip because he sees something in Philip that he wants, and he wants Philip as a follower. Imagine being recruited and specially picked out by Jesus. What an honor that would be. So I love that God's prevenient or sneaky grace goes before Philip and prepares his heart to accept Jesus's life-altering invitation to follow him. And if you guys have seen the TV series, The Chosen, um, I like the scene that talks about this encounter because Jesus and Philip speak at the same time and Jesus says, follow me, and then Philip says, I will, at exactly the same time. And so this shows us that it's a both and, that Jesus chooses us and knows us and calls us, but we have to respond. We have to say yes. Um, and so Philip could have rejected Jesus's invitation to follow him, and heartbreakingly, so can we. We can choose um, to reject Jesus's invitations. So this same sneaky grace um, that went before Philip to prepare his heart to follow Jesus, this grace goes before all of us. And it prepares us to know Jesus and woos us with his sneaky grace even before we have found him. So I'm curious how you have seen this sneaky grace at work in your life or in the life of someone you know. How has Jesus gone before someone you know to prepare their heart, to spark their interest in who Jesus is? 
I've heard lots of stories um, from you guys about how Jesus has found you. I've heard stories about how you've been driving by the church and you see the church sign and you somehow felt compelled to come and come to church. I've heard some of you, you were in your pool floating and Jesus somehow spoke to you. Um, I've heard stories that a friend that was kind of annoying invited you and you were annoyed and you didn't really want to come, but you came anyway and Jesus met you there. So think, how did Jesus find you? Was it like Philip where he came directly to you, maybe in a dream or maybe um, you just sensed in your heart this invitation that you needed to follow Jesus? Or maybe how Philip brought Jesus directly to Nathaniel. You had a friend bring you to Jesus. Or maybe you're kind of a hard um, person to crack and so Jesus used all of these methods and more to reach you. And what has your response to Jesus's invitations been? Have you been aware of his sneaky grace all around you? Have you said yes to his invitations? We can assume that Philip responds with an enthusiastic yes to Jesus because he immediately goes and tells his friend Nathaniel. He tells Nathaniel, this is the guy that Moses and the prophets wrote about. This is him. This is it. He cannot help but immediately go and tell his friend about this man, Jesus, that he just met. Another thing we learn about Jesus from this passage that really inspires me um, and just rings so true to me is that Jesus knows us intimately and uniquely, exactly as we are, and he calls us with our specific gifts, with our weaknesses. Jesus knows us better than anyone and better than we even know ourselves. And so this deep knowledge of Nathaniel is what caused Nathaniel to let go of his skepticism when Jesus said, and you, Nathaniel, you are an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And so Nathaniel leaves behind his skepticism about Jesus' hometown, Nazareth, which, by the way, we don't know much about Nazareth. It was just a small rural town of little significance, um, and it wasn't mentioned by any of the Old Testament prophets. So that's probably why Nathaniel was skeptical. So he probably had a right. But Jesus sees past his skepticism, past his sarcasm, and Jesus sees who he truly is, that he is someone who is honest and righteous and has a knack for telling the truth, telling it like it is. And Jesus calls this out of Nathaniel, and he hasn't even met him before. So first, Nathaniel is defensive. Like, how do you know me like that, man? Um, how do you know that I'm honest? How do you know that there's no deceit in me? And Jesus always takes things further, and he tells Nathaniel, not only that, but I saw you under the fig tree. I saw you under the fig tree before I even knew you. And so although we can't fully know we weren't there, what happened under the fig tree, I'm guessing it had to be something pretty important for it to affect Nathaniel so deeply. So maybe under the fig tree, it was Nathaniel's the worst moment of his life. Maybe he was crying out to God in desperation. He was weeping and in pain. Maybe he was crying out for God to see him. Or maybe the moment under the fig tree was completely opposite. Maybe it was the best moment of Nathaniel's life, and he was singing praises to God with the birds under the fig tree. Um, but whatever happened, we will never really know. Um, but Jesus' miraculous knowledge of this event 
transformed Nathaniel and inspired Nathaniel to drop his walls, to drop his defenses, and to confess that Jesus is his rabbi, the son of God, and the king of Israel. So if I was Philip, I would be pretty pleased with myself. Like, I told you, man, like, come on, this is Jesus. Um, so that would be so exciting, I bet, for Philip to see his friend encounter Jesus and be changed. And I love Jesus' response to Nathaniel. He's kind of sarcastic in his response, and he says, really, just me seeing you under the fig tree? That's all it took for you to know who I am and for you to follow me? And Jesus promises Nathaniel, Nathaniel, you will see much greater things than this. And it talks about how Jesus is the ladder between heaven and earth, and his followers will participate in his inbreaking kingdom. Little does Nathaniel know, but as he continues to follow Jesus, he will see water turned into wine. He will see paralyzed men healed. You'll see a Samaritan woman welcomed and empowered and included. He will see paralyzed people healed. He will see Jesus feed the 5,000, Jesus walk on water, and he will finally see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. And ultimately, he will see Jesus dying on the cross and God raising Jesus from the dead, victorious over sin and death. So despite the richness and depth of life that's to come for Nathaniel as he follows Jesus, I get where Nathaniel is coming from. I get that this deep knowledge that Jesus had of him was so inspiring to him. Because Jesus, like Nathaniel, he sees us and understands us at our best moments and our worst moments, even when we don't even know he's there. He knows us and loves us better than anyone. He knows our struggles, our joys, our triumphs, and he calls us for specific reasons and values our unique personalities. So have you ever had an experience like Nathaniel, where Jesus saw you, Jesus saw past your walls and defenses, and he saw to the heart of who you are? Maybe even he saw you in a way that no one's seen you before. And maybe instead of calling you an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, maybe Jesus called you beloved, or a peacemaker, or kind, or reminded you of who you really are, your true self created in God's image before the world and shame and society got in the way. So I've experienced this deep personal knowledge that Jesus has for me um, a few times through prophetic prayer and listening prayer. And so if you're not familiar, these are practices that are really simple. It's just a practice of quieting ourselves down and focusing and tuning in to Jesus and asking Jesus, how do you see me? What do you think about this? And just expecting and being open that Jesus can talk with us and Jesus wants to share with us. So there's been times, um, like I said, that I've really felt known by Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, how did you know that? Um, and these experiences, just like Nathaniel's experience, inspired such trust and awe and gratitude that I don't think I cried out rabbi or son of God or king of Israel, but those moments renewed my faith in Christ. And I said, Christ, God, I know you are real because you know me better than I know myself, better than anyone in the universe. So even those of us or you who feel skeptical like Nathaniel, who don't want anything to do with God, who scoff at the church, are uninterested with anything to do with faith, Jesus knows you and Jesus sees you 
and he longs for you to follow him. He sees your heart. He sees your gifts. He sees your struggles. He sees your pain. And he calls you in your uniqueness. All we have to do is bring ourselves and those we know directly to the real deal, to Jesus, to come and see Jesus, to be known and loved by the God of the universe that is present to us through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that can live inside of us and remind us of everything that Jesus has taught us, the Holy Spirit that advocates for us, that comforts us, that reminds us of the truth about Jesus and who he is. So this leads me to my next point. What can we learn not only about Jesus, but what can, what can we learn about being followers of Jesus? How do we invite others to come and see? Well, number one, thank goodness, we see that inviting people to come and see Jesus is not a job for the experts. No seminary degree or Bible study classes are required. Philip literally met Jesus and then went and told Nathaniel about him. So there wasn't a lot that happened in between those two events. Um, and when Nathaniel pushed back and was like, oh, I don't know, Philip didn't try to answer his question. He didn't argue with him. He didn't cajole him. He just invited him to come and see Jesus for himself. So that's pretty straightforward, right? Pretty easy. So why isn't it always straightforward or easy for me or maybe for you? What holds us back from inviting our friends to come and see Jesus, the one who knows us, like Philip so eagerly and so easily did? Maybe we think we need to have all of the answers, we have to have everything figured out, we have to have all the arguments in line, um, or maybe we think that if we still have our own questions because we're new on our faith journey that we can't talk about Jesus with anyone else. But we see from Philip, thank goodness, that again, we don't have to convince anyone, we don't have to impress anyone, um, we just have to invite people to come and see Jesus for themselves. Philip just said, Nathaniel, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Philip knew that Nathaniel needed his own encounter with Jesus and that only a direct relationship with Jesus will truly convict Nathaniel or any of us. Jesus is the one who will inspire us to worship him and to follow him. So bear with me for a quick um, church history nerding out moment. Um, so I really love to learn about the Moravians so they were a denomination way back in the 1700s, and they were a small denomination, but they were really known for their world evangelization. So they were really small, yet they figured out a few things that really helped them. Um, so first, when they were trying to go out and share Jesus with the world, they really struggled. They weren't seeing any fruit. Nothing was happening. Um, but when they started to abandon um, preaching abstract theological doctrine, and they simply decided to share about Jesus, to share the story of Jesus with those they were ministering to. They saw immediate fruit, immediate successes, um, and they realized that people were hungry to know Jesus. People were hungry to hear about Jesus, the Savior of the world who loves them and knows them. Um, and so they also, so they focused on Jesus, and they relied on the Holy Spirit. They knew that God was going before them. God and his sneaky grace was preparing people's hearts. So they just had to be open. God, who do you want me to reach out to today? And so that's what they did. And um, yeah, and they realized again that people were hungry for Jesus. They wanted to know him. And they trusted in God's activity in the world and that Jesus was enough. 
It wasn't up to them. It wasn't up to their words. It was just up to God's sneaky grace going before them. So it's amazing what happens when we realize we don't have to defend or explain Jesus. We are called to invite others to come and see, to introduce Jesus to our friends, to our family, to allow people to experience his real and tangible love and forgiveness and joy and hope and peace and grace and mercy for themselves. It's a really exciting invitation. And so some simple ways we can do that are through sharing our own stories of how Jesus has met us, our own stories of how Jesus' love has met us in our darkest places, how Jesus has given us a new purpose, how Jesus and his grace have led us to live a life of love for others. We can also invite people to read the Gospels, to read the story of Jesus in Mark and Matthew and Luke and John, and they can read it themselves, or we can say, hey, you want to read this with me? Let's read it together. We can invite people to pray when they're having a hard day. We can listen closely to them and point out points of sneaky grace, God's love and provision that we notice in their lives. And we can even invite them to church sometimes um, to experience Jesus in community. The Holy Spirit is endlessly creative and will give us ideas. The Holy Spirit is the actor. The Holy Spirit is the one who will make this happen. I also learned an acronym recently um, that the Evangelical Covenant Church uses to encourage their churches in holistic evangelism. And it's up here, and I liked it and thought I would share it with you guys. Because I thought it was a simple way to get all of us started um, inviting others to come and see Jesus like Philip did with Nathaniel. So the acronym is BLESS, pretty easy to remember. Um, so B is begin with prayer. So what we can do is we can pray for people in our lives who are far from God. And we can ask God, God, who do you want me to bless today or in this season? Who do you want me to pray for? And we can be consistent. We can put them on our fridge. Um, it just takes one person. We can just pray for one person. Imagine if all of us in this room prayed for one person this entire year. Imagine what God could do with that. And then we can listen with care. Like I talked about, we can listen to the people that we love, listen to their hopes and their joys, their pain, and we can say, God is with you in that. I see God's love at work in your story. And we can eat together, we can live life with people, we can walk with them, and we can serve in love. We gotta provide for people in tangible ways. Jesus was concrete. He met people where they were at, he loved them, and he provided for them. And finally, we can share, share the story and share our story. As we build relationships, as God opens up doors, as the Holy Spirit is at work doing his sneaky grace thing, um, we can look for ways to share the story of Jesus and how he's transforming our lives and the world. So as I've mentioned, Philip could not help but tell Nathaniel about Jesus. John the Baptist could not help but tell his followers, hey, look, this is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Andrew couldn't help but drag Jesus to meet his brother Peter. And Philip could not wait to bring Nathanael to Jesus. And the Moravians could not help but preach Jesus across the world. And fill in the blank. 
what come and see stories will God write here at Living Spring? Again, imagine if we all engaged with this process. Imagine what God will do. Imagine what stories we could all share in a year of how God went before us, how God was preparing the heart of someone in our lives, and how God used us to just simply introduce someone to Jesus. So come and see. Come and see. These are words that are inviting, that reveal a deep trust in God's work in the world, a trust that God goes before us and that all we need to do is to introduce people to Jesus. And as we come ourselves to know Jesus better and better, the Jesus that knows us better than anyone in the universe, um, may we be compelled to invite others to come and see the Jesus that already knows them, that already loves them, and that already longs for them to follow him. So to close our time today, we're going to have an extended time of listening to God and reflection. Um, and so I want to create some space for us. As I've talked about, Jesus knows us, but for some of us, we might not have experienced that yet for ourselves in our own faith journey. And so I want to create a space where we can listen to Jesus, we can listen to his voice, we can ask him, Jesus, what do you know about me? Do you know me? How do you know me? What do you love about me? And then we can ask Jesus, Jesus, who do you want me to invite to come and see you? Um, and so before we do that, I just want to give, we can go back to the um, tips on listening prayer. And so for those of you, this might be your first time that you even knew that God talks to his sheep. Um, but so I just want to remind you that in John 10, 27, it says, and Pastor Terry talked about this last week, but my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So if we are God's sheep, we can hear his voice. Um, and so I just invite you to have faith that you can hear from Jesus, that he wants to speak to you. And it's not going to be some audible voice, but it's going to be the still, small voice of Jesus. So we can just silence um, our hearts and our bodies and tune in um, to that voice of love and just tune in to those spontaneous thoughts that come up. And um, God could speak to us in an image or a feeling or words. And then I invite you, as we're going to have time to journal and write those down, um, don't try to, like, discern or over-rationalize everything just yet. Write it down, and afterwards you can discern. And you can see, does this fit into the character of God? Is it loving, kind, honoring, inspiring? Um, and we're not trying to make stuff up so we have something to put on our paper, but it's kind of like we're just listening and quieting and trying to lose the contest with the Holy Spirit. We want to hear what Jesus has to say to us and how he knows us. Um, and finally, um, Jesus' voice can often be surprising. So the voice of our critical voice or the voice of society is often one of shame and condemnation. So Jesus' voice might sound pretty other to you um, because Jesus' voice is a voice of love and challenge. Um, and it's just a beautiful voice. So those are all my caveats. And um, so Tanner is just going to play some instrumental music quietly. And so I invite you all to grab your um, paper. And then there should be a pen either in the front seat or a seat behind you. It's a cool living spring pen. And if you need a paper, Jeff raising his hand up here, he's got one.
if you need a paper, Jeff's in the middle of the sanctuary. Um, but so I just invite you to, yeah, just quiet your hearts, um, to close your eyes and maybe roll your shoulders and take a deep breath and just sit in your chair and get comfortable. And so Jesus, we invite you, God, we invite you to speak to us. Um, Lord, you say that your sheep hear your voice. And Lord, we know that you know us, God. So when you show us um, this morning, what do you love about us, God? How do you see us? So Jesus, would you speak to your sheep now? Would you show them in a thought or word or image, God, how you see them? Show us now, show me is there anyone in particular God that you are inviting me to invite to come and see
want us to commit to pray for it this year. Thank you. 